0: You gotta be just fast enough to still beat all your athletes.
1: Most of them, yeah. I haven't yeah. Had, haven't had an athlete beat me yet. There was one last year that probably would have, but season ended prematurely. You tripped so him. I did, <laughs> yeah. I did. I did.
0: <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to another episode of <laughs> Coaches on Couches. Bing! Slouches. You weren't ready for that, were you? I was not ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there it was. Yeah. We're here with a uh, soon-to-be slouch. Soon-to-be slouch. Gosh. New uh, new BBC coach, Aaron Persinger. Persinger. Or Persinger. Or Persinger. Any of those work. <laughs> Uh, we'll be talking to Aaron today a little bit about himself and then and how uh, how we go about developing youth speed. So if you've got uh, a youth runner or athlete in general, you'll definitely want to to listen up and 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 see what we have got to say today. Um, before that happens, I'm Coach Dale Sanford. I am Coach Bryant Funston. We are the co-founders of BPC
2: Performance Coaching, where we specialize in helping time-crunched athletes optimize their busy schedules so they can maximize their athletic performance. Every BPC coach is trained in our five pillars coaching system that has been developed over the last 11 years through our work with athletes of all ages and ability levels from fresh off the couch to world championship competitors. You can find out more about BPC by going to buildpeakcompete.com, checking Facebook and YouTube at buildpeakcompete, or all upon that Instagram, at BPC Performance and Twitter. <laughs> at BPC Performance, you can check Twitter. Um, <laughs> we kind of went. We went
0: dark on Twitter. bit. We do people good. still do Twitter?
1: Uh, I think it's mostly people my age doing it for
2: memes and jokes. But yeah, gotcha. And you can find us on Snapchat at what? <laughs>
0: Aaron, yeah, that's at a joke. Aaron Persinger. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: BPC, TikTok, and... Yeah. Also, at Aaron Persinger.
2: Actually, we need to go look at those first. Do not go to those. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Fake accounts. All right. So, uh, before we get on to uh, talking to Aaron here, we've got uh, shout outs. Yeah. Big shout out
2: to... Uh, we talked about House of Pain kind of before our last podcast we did. Um, we're at uh, Biggest Class Ever. Uh, right around 80 folks, uh, in yeah. our house of pain program, um, working on technique efficiency and a lot of folks jazzed up to, uh, to really perform or, or do what they need to this winter to perform at a high level, uh, come March. So yeah. we're excited to have that group. It's going to help keep everyone motivated. So shout out to all of our hop cycling folks. Uh, we're happy to have you and looking forward to seeing those gains from you.
0: Yeah. If you still, if you have any interest in jumping in, we've had some people jump in late, no problem there. Um, yeah, yep. everything's recorded. Yep. So. Um, uh coach Heather, we'll just throw her in there on the shout outs. Uh, mm-hmm. had her best all-time 5 and in, in 20 minute uh during our first initial FTP test of the season. So power numbers? Yep. Yeah, power numbers are up. Same awesome. with uh, Lee Rustin. Also peak 5 and 20 minute numbers. Awesome. That's Which... I mean that's always it's always awesome to see like at the beginning of the Mm-hmm. Like at the beginning of hop, knowing that by the end, it's going to be, you know, yeah, a solid even, 10% higher. Yeah, it should be more. Yeah, for sure. Um, Lee
2: also had her peak 60 all-time. Second. 60-second all-time number. Yesterday. Yeah? We were you, testing it. On yep. a Thursday? <laughs> yep. We were testing it. Or <laughs> wait, no. Two days ago. Sorry. Wednesday. So good work, Lee. Keep on nice. rocking.
0: Um, I a shout out to the Professional athletes Organization for putting on uh, Challenge Daytona they did an awesome job with it. The coverage was awesome. Uh, the course was awesome. Uh, it really gives these professional tra- especially the ones that haven't been able to really do any racing this year, mm-hmm. an opportunity to kind of make a living out of the sport. Um, you know, congrats to Gustav Eden and Paul Finley for taking the wins. 100K each. Not a bad payday. Uh, you know, it was like a $1.1 million prize purse. Everyone got paid, basically. If you got invited to go, you were going to get paid um we we did not get invited i didn't get the invite but no, might, uh, you know. maybe it's still in the mail it, might or or it could
1: back. be in the mail
2: i i have not checked the snail mail in a while i think that's where they delivered it we'll work on that or maybe it was on twitter maybe they delivered it to us on twitter <laughs> Deep, we, we just see didn't twitter. see it <laughs> we'll give it <laughs> shout out uh as well st jude virtual happened our yeah. very own aaron persinger <laughs> <laughs> knocked out his first ever half marathon oh, well knocked it out it's he knocked out the first eleven miles. <laughs> we'll get it. We'll get into why. We'll get into the why. But congrats to everyone for supporting a great cause. Yeah. Uh, driving around last Saturday, I saw people all over the place with their they had their bib numbers on. Like yep. they were out there knocking it out um, on their own, which can be tough to do. You know, not having the motivation of of a big group and a big event. But people still uh, showed up. So
0: good work to all of you. Yeah, awesome. All right, so let's jump into it. So we've we've got Aaron on the couch today. We brought Aaron on um, to mainly work initially with our, our youth athletes and some of our adult athletes. Um, Aaron, as a I would say, he's overqualified uh, to do this. Not to be on the couch. Uh, yeah. Not. No. <laughs> no. Uh, Aaron has a master's degree in human performance and uh, exercise science from the University of Memphis. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, worked with uh, Max Paquette uh, in in the uh, uh, biomechanics, you know, lab and everything. The human performance lab over there Um, also has a a CSCS strength and and conditioning uh, certification. So uh, really has you know, a ton of, of education, ran, ran track
2: in college as well. Yeah. So space. we'll get into that.
0: Yeah. So let's just real quick, go into, you know, I just kind of blew through your education, <laughs> but go, go through as far as education and then get a little bit into your sporting background because you're coming from a track back, background, yeah. run hurdles, uh, division one hurdles and, you know, and then kind of get into your coaching experience.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I'll start with education. Um, as you both know, I did my, undergrad and my master's at the university of memphis go tigers uh go tigers uh 2018 was my bachelor's uh it seems silly to say it this way but i was top of my class uh summa cum laude university honors with thesis and then stayed had so much fun went back for two more years got my master's finished that in may
2: so Did, he didn't want to grow up
0: nerd alert no, not ready <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah
2: uh,
1: was not ready to grow up so went back and then uh you know, like everybody, just kind of been putting it together mm-hmm. since the world came kind of grounded to a halt. But uh, in my undergrad, I was a collegiate hurdler. I dabbled a little bit in the sprints, but definitely more of a hurdler. Uh, I peaked. I made an academic All-American in 2016. It's probably my best year in the 400 hurdles. Uh, I think last time I checked, I was top five in the 60 hurdles in the 400 hurdles, maybe. That'll probably get fact-checked by somebody, but... At Fake one chicken. point, I was, yeah. Fake news. FFA. Yeah, call me out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that was my academic and athletic background at Memphis. Enjoyed it a lot. Uh, not so much of a sprinter anymore. A little little too old to be sprinting that fast, I think. It's not true. <laughs> no, it's, it's not true. Too old. It's not true. I, I still enjoy getting out there every now and then, but... I mean, as you heard earlier, been doing a little bit of dabbling in some distance. You
0: gotta things. be just fast enough to still beat all your athletes.
1: Most of them, yeah. I haven't yeah. I haven't had an a, a athlete beat me yet. There was one last year that probably would have, but season ended prematurely. You tripped so him. I did. I I wasn't ready yet. Too too much of an ego. Yeah, we're yeah.
2: we're actually, actually once this podcast is over, we're gonna be doing a, a competition in the. <laughs> in the cul-de-sac here as
0: a cove
2: between the three of us (laughs) foot race in the cove not really we're not going to do that
0: yeah so so you like growing up did you play multiple sports or were you just like drawn to track Uh, so i was actually the very first sport
1: i played was baseball i used to play i played in the back my grandmother's backyard with her and my grandpa she'd pitch and i'd swing and uh, it's probably not a surprise to anybody. She was a nah. regular Nolan Ryan. That's, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's why you chose. No, I was batting about 990. So <laughs> started playing baseball for a little bit. Uh, did not like striking out. I had a real problem with it. I'd cry every time I struck out. So I switched to running because I was really fast. So that's how I got into track. Um, so I did football, swim, and track through high school. Uh, was decent at football. One too many concussions. Kind of ended that career for me. Yeah. Uh, was did not really enjoy swimming beyond about hundred yards. So that kind of ended that for me, and that kind of lent itself to track.
0: So just so everyone knows, uh, we have a grand plan to get uh, Aaron into cycling and/or triathlon uh, in the near future uh we're just gonna throw the and in there yeah <laughs> the the fact that he has a swimming background gives mm. him a distinct advantage in in triathlon so uh we're gonna you just wait for it it's coming i'm ready i'm ready sprint
2: sprint triathlon sprint triathlon you start somewhere super super duper sprint triathlon. <laughs> they have those two super short yeah 100
1: meter swim 200 meter bike 50 meter run
0: <laughs> so um so in college, you were you focused on hurdles, like what was the longest? The longest, like hurdling event, four hundred hurdles. For, yeah, so. four hundred hurdles. Uh, is um, it true that's the most miserable
2: event in track and field? Oh, you I've know, heard it's close. That,
1: that's a big debate that you're <laughs>
2: that in the eight hundred. I've heard are that's a can, a can of worms, From a and man. pain standpoint. Um, I always
1: enjoyed the 400 hurdles more than the 800 because at least you know you have 10 hurdles so it's almost like a checkpoint like okay that one's done that one's done that one's done that one's done, that one's done. you got almost little you know like gotcha. it's broken down the yeah. 800 just the gun goes off and it's just man it sucks
2: just suffer so <laughs> just suffer yeah.
1: I think the 800's worse but I was better at the 400 hurdles so I think that might have played a gotcha. role too you know it wasn't yeah. when you're good at something it's not as bad
0: Uh-huh I So agree. were you were like uh were you better at the the start like acceleration stuff or were you better kind of later in the event
1: it so it's the weirdest thing when i first started i was a really strong finisher my freshman year and the start of my sophomore year and then after i tore my hamstring my sophomore year it flipped once i recovered it flipped and i was really good at the start and then i would kind of more hang on so i could get up to the first hurdle with anybody but it was hurdles nine and ten to the finish it was like ah i'm not quite not quite there with some of the uh big dogs Gotcha.
0: Now, in that in that recovery from the hamstring, did mm-hmm. you put in a lot more like time in the gym? Did you focus on uh, you know acceleration or anything like that, or just kind of how it went?
1: I had to completely change my running mechanics. I had a tendency to overstride a little bit, and so I think because I over I was overstriding, that would slow down my start a little bit. And then yeah. I think in fixing that, I had better foot placement for the start, so I was able to accelerate to the first hurdle a little yeah. better.
0: Yeah. For sure. So, like, what, so what, you know, I have an idea, but what drew you to, like, human performance as far as your education goes? Because you spent a lot of years. I did. uh, Doing that.
1: Uh, So, basically what happened is when I got to school, I was going to be a biomedical engineer. And then I was like, that doesn't sound too exciting to me. So, I switched to physics. And then yeah, yeah, it was... I do love
0: physics. So it's it, very
1: interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. And,
2: and applies to yeah,
1: biomechanics. It's, yeah, Absolutely. pretty yeah. similar. Uh, but what happened was the Monday after I tore my hamstring, I was crutching to my physics class. It was like a half a mile crutch, and I got I was like a quarter of the way there. I was going to be like five minutes late because you, know, you can't move very fast in crutches. And I was just like, man, this sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is not fun. <laughs> my life is not fun right now. And it got me thinking, like, you know, what is fun? And kind of as i was rehabbing i was thinking about it's interesting to learn about what's going on in my body to do that recovery process and once i'm recovered you know how am i going to get better and i spent a lot of time listening to my coach coach instead of just listening to what he had to say as it related to me improving my event and that kind of got me interested in human performance and kind of figuring out you know why does running repeat 200s with 30 seconds rest versus 60 seconds rest like what's what's the difference there so kind of Learning a little bit about the energy systems that supply ATP and all that kind of stuff is kind of what got me into it and into human performance.
0: Awesome. So, what was what what like? Just uh, briefly, what was your your thesis or your 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 project on?
1: So, my undergraduate thesis was on. Uh, it was on how leucine supplementation affects. Uh, cancer cachexia in mice, and then Did you get that. <laughs> uh-huh. So cachexia basically, like when people get cancer, they lose a lot of muscle, yep. like disproportionate to people that don't exercise. Yep. Okay. So cachexia is the accelerated muscle atrophy, and so the theory at the time was that if you give leucine, one of the branched chain amino acids, mm-hmm. it is known to kind of stimulate muscle protein synthesis. So the theory was maybe that can help, and like most things in science, the results said it might. To put yeah. it kind of simply. It depends. You know. It depends. Yeah, exactly. It true. depends. Maybe. It's it depends. favorite uh-huh. yeah. And then in grad school, it was... So intermittent fasting was really popular um, kind of at the time. And so we looked at how a variant of intermittent fasting called time-restricted feeding, if you're healthy and exercise, how does that work? Because the evidence that it's good if you're overweight, obese, trying to you know cut down on yeah. fat yeah. is pretty well supported.
2: Restrict calories, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: But what, how it worked in healthy individuals, it was a little unknown. So we, we took some mice and uh, had some of them do time-restricted feeding, two different time windows, and then one group that just ate whenever they felt like it. And uh, at least from our results, it seemed like it was, again, it kind of just depends, not as beneficial for yeah. the healthy individual. These were mice, but not as beneficial because you're already healthy, we gave them a good diet. they were exercising five days a week, so
0: gotcha. there was that one study that came out recently about um, they tested cyclists and had some fasting doing intermittent fast basically skipping breakfast mm-hmm. and um, you know others were not and they uh, found that skipping breakfast basically intermittent fasting was inhibiting or, or re- like hurting afternoon performance Mm -hmm. uh in in cycling so i think it's yeah i think a lot of that yeah you got to kind of think about what's your goal like what are you trying to do are you trying to slim down
2: are you trying to lose weight is that more of an important factor than performance on the bike or performance within your specific sport and then fuel yourself accordingly right
0: yeah Yeah. awesome so all right so we'll get uh, we'll get into the the main topic here which is well it's developing youth speed but this really Applies to pretty much everyone. Uh, I mean, you know, you might be further along this path than others, but, uh, you know, as far as we go about developing speed in anyone, uh, this is the path we choose to take. The thing with youth athletes is they don't have a choice. <laughs> when the coach is directing the, the program, the youth athlete doesn't necessarily have a choice on what they're doing. Whereas when we work with adults, and they have their say in some things. We it tends to jump around a lot more versus going in the phases that work the best to to make the actual improvements stick. Um, so, first off, like when we are, you like take on a new athlete, we always assess them, figure out like what are the major things that will move the needle right away. It's usually the same stuff for the most part, especially with young young runners and stuff like that. Um, but the main part, the main thing that we focus on is movement and not working. We're, we are in no way, shape, or form uh, worried about how many miles they're putting in, how much training duration they're putting in. We're literally trying to get them to move better. I mean, there's... like. It, you can't. You can't learn. Uh, you're not going to go faster and get more efficient without learning it slower and, and learning the movements first. So yeah, learn learn to move first, and then go faster. Yeah. after that, work on speed. Post. So, what are some of the like? What are some of the things that you would focus on movement wise in like a new runner, whether it be uh, distance or even track? Yeah, so,
1: I mean, the big one is kind of near and dear to my heart because it's what I had to fix for myself is foot position because if you're too far in front, too far behind, you know, kind of helping with that transition of step-to-step, breaking between steps, making sure that you're helping yourself out, not slowing yourself down and putting certain musculature in danger, that's kind of one of the easier ones for me to notice because I had to go through that myself. Oh,
0: for sure.
1: And then another big one um, is making sure that you're not over or under which is similarly related, but you know making sure that you've got a good tempo, you know You're not Turning over so much that you look like a, a bird walking or like a hummingbird flapping its yeah. wings, you know Getting a little bit of power out of it so Those are kind of the two ones that I like to focus on because If you can have your foot be in the right position and have it be on the ground for the right amount of time yeah. a lot of the other things tend to come along so like yeah. the way you cycle your leg through if you're spending too much time on the ground you have to do something with that leg so it's going to cycle longer versus if you yeah. can get that foot back off the ground it'll kind of help you rotate your yeah. swing leg through yes yeah. speed,
0: speed is a combination of of uh you know uh, like your rpm like your mm-hmm. your leg turnover and your distance per yeah. stride and so if you can be going the same exact speed and you can you can have a longer stride uh stride length and Quicker turnover, or the opposite. You can have the same speed, um, but there's also there's that range of like, or that uh, diminishing returns where, when the when the stride length goes out too long, you're overstriding and you're you're basically what we call front side contact. You're you're getting out in front of your center of mass and mm-hmm. actually creating rearward force. So, like you say, and you're that foot staying on the ground so much longer, right? Too, you know, so that cadence
2: actually yeah decreases so
0: focusing on decreasing ground contact time mm-hmm. uh you know in doing that we, we focus a lot on teaching athletes like how to utilize that stretch shortening cycle that happens in the lower leg muscles uh to get off the ground quicker um you know and for us just that's go, go into stretch shortening cycle just real quick
2: <clears> for <throat> those that may be listening to this and go what the heck is that you want to
0: take that <laughs> Man, put me on the spot. Oh, God. Yeah. So, uh, like, if I mean, real realistically, all it is is like the way I explain it easily is that your your muscles are like rubber bands, and when when a muscle is in a stretch phase, it can then recoil. It stores energy, and then it can recoil, and that in turn can help you get off the ground quicker because it's not necessarily um, a, a muscular contraction that's taking place. It's just a, like a trans transition of energy. It's like a recoil. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, if you think about it, if you, like, and this is like the analogy I use all the time. It's like, if you take your finger and you move your finger as fast as you possibly can. For those uh, of you watching live, yeah. Dale's
2: not moving it very fast.
0: Not not as fast. <laughs> try it at home. Try this at home, <laughs> If you just flick your finger, like, and then if you actually take your finger and pull it back and you let it go, it's going to move so much faster than you could ever make it happen on your own with muscle contraction. So uh, we, we try to teach people first thing, like, is, like, learning how to use that, that stretch shortening cycle in the lower body to decrease ground contact time. We, you know, the, the saying is big force short time. The the shorter you're on the ground, the more force you're going to put to the ground. Uh, so that's, that's huge. Um, and then, like, like you said, like, reducing front side contact, which is basically what you're talking about, is making sure that you're not overstriding, is huge. I mean, it's like, uh, I call it speed. En- speed enemy number one. Uh, if you're producing force backwards, it is not helping you go, go forward. forward. <laughs> nope. uh, so everything is a as a matter of foot placement, and that determines your direction of force. Uh, so yeah, it's huge. And if those things aren't in place, like you can increase strength, and you can increase uh, leg turnover. But those, the, the improvements in speed are going to be limited because you're still putting force in the wrong direction. So, yeah, that's, that's huge foot I would, placement. I would say just when you ask
2: most people to try to run faster, most people in their mind think, I need to step further. Mm-hmm. And this is something you know goes exactly in line with what you guys are saying. But most people we work with, adult and youth, To go faster, it seems like people want to reach more. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to make it all happen on the front side, when really a lot of it happens on the back side. Uh, So, you know, parent at home, if you're watching your kid, pay attention. Are they really trying to reach way far out? How slow is their uh, turnover? I mean, those are two things that we tend to correct right away, Um, thinking more about stuff happening under and behind as opposed to reaching to try to go faster.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you you can, and realistically, in in this phase of training, this movement phase of training, you're breaking down the stride cycle into shorter movements, and we're doing it slow at first, and we're teaching that movement so that those muscles are activating that movement and doing the job they're supposed to, when they're supposed to, learn it slow, and then you can start to add speed to it. Mm -hmm. But if you don't ever break it down, and you're just trying to explain the whole stride cycle to a youth athlete you're going to blow their brains. going to go. Oh, for sure. oh yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. they're just going to look at you like you have two heads. Uh, so you have to break it down into smaller portions, keep it slow. And sometimes you may actually have to move them through that, that portion of the stride cycle and, and then add speed. Um, I would say one thing, and this is probably the most common and you probably, you know having worked with like high school and stuff like that one of the things that is most common that we see is just terrible body position oh yeah i mean in that and that and you can float like arm action and stuff like that into that but like having poor body position again goes back to direction of force we're we're limiting how much force we're going to put backwards to propel ourselves forward so if you if you're constantly Hunched over, or you're not rigid in your upper body, uh, you, you know, and you have floppy arms and all this stuff, there's going to be a very large diminish of your the force that you're working so hard to create, yeah. Um, that kind of goes into the second part, which is strength training. Mm-hmm. So, like, how would you say, like, how would you go about working on strength, strength training with a youth athlete? Because if I mean, it really goes like body position here. If if you're not strong enough, you're never going to be able to hold on to those body positions. So it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing. Yeah. We kind of have to do them simultaneously a bit. But how would you necessarily go about working with a a younger athlete on strength?
1: Well, you know, it's, it's so cliché but it's you got to make sure they do the movement right first. You know, it doesn't you know, obviously the younger they are, the less the load is important, but no matter how old you are, it's important to do it correctly because if I tell you, "Hey, let's do some back squats, get a full range of motion and you can get your hamstrings to your calves, but you're on your toes, you know, your back looks like a, a capital C," you know, it's yeah. it's not as good. Like you said, it's harder to kind of chain the force together. And it's not as good for your joints versus if you're able to be you know, nice and vertical, keep everything in a good position. And it's like a slinky. If you push a slinky down the stairs normally, it's going to go down. But if I go through your slinky and like wrinkle up every other you know, little spring roll that there is, it's not going to go down as well. It's kind of the same thing with yeah. loading the movements. If, you, if you're impressing everybody and you know, you're back squatting 500 pounds, but it's because your back is winding up being parallel to the ground – all you're doing is putting yourself in danger. You're not even really doing the movement correctly. So
0: yeah, you're limiting the work that the muscles you're actually trying to work are doing. Yeah. And that's what we see so
2: much is that you can use strength training to help learn like these muscles learn when to fire, how to fire and fire more forcefully if you're doing it right. mm -hmm. If you take someone, it's kind of like you don't go fast first, learn the mechanics, learn the movement first, just like you do with the running side of things same thing with strength because that stuff's going to carry over into your running learning to do something wrong and then trying to load up weight or load up speed you're just moving a lot faster towards hurting yourself um, or having major
0: problems down the road so so what i'm gathering is with a new a new athlete we take them load up a bar and have them (laughs) do snatch right away heavy, he- yeah heavy snatch right away. single leg snatch yeah, preferably. yeah absolutely single leg <laughs> snatch. Yeah, that's a great idea yeah so i mean you you have that was to, a joke everybody yeah. that was a joke <laughs> for those of you who haven't got that uh yeah so breaking again break, focus on the movement you're going to hear this again and again and again with the youth athlete focus on the movement uh make sure that you're going through uh, an optimal range of motion You know, you don't have to get your butt to the ground on a squat, even if you can get your heels to to keep your heels on the ground, you don't have to get your butt on the ground. Uh, you know, that kind of thing, but going through an optimal range of motion, makes sure that the joints are also capable of doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, and then you're also, you know, you're triggering all the muscle groups surrounding muscle groups to work as well. Um, and I think that's a huge aspect of it too. And something that's,
2: Neglected, you know when we assign someone strength training having the eyes there initially to actually watch a person or watch a youth especially go through this uh, Is is so key because you can see like what is actually happening to their knees when they're doing it from a side view It may look like everything is groovy, right? but once you start looking how all these joints are interacting in space you can determine, you know, whether a child is putting themselves at risk. And, and a lot of times that's going to carry over into their, their run mechanics also. Yep. So you can help identify potential injury spots, um, muscle groups that there may be imbalances, firing orders that may be off. Um, but by being there and having eyes on a, on a kid to actually see them go through those movement patterns, um, you can tell like knees squeezing in tends to be a huge thing with, with youth. Yeah. Um, on the up part of a squat, yeah, like you'll see those knees dive. So why is that? You know, and how do you cue them and what auxiliary muscle groups may be weak that helps support the knee? Um, so kind of bringing all this into, and I rounding out a good training program for youth and all this
0: applies to adults as well. We see it with adults all the time too. I can't stand like uh, it, it pains me every time I see a youth athlete, like wearing a knee brace. Or or something like that. It's like, like one, you, you shouldn't be like wearing a knee brace uh, unless there's a serious injury there. Um, but it, it could have so easily, unless it was an impact injury, been prevented uh, just with some simple, even just simple basic body weight strength training and muscle activation exercises. You can you can do a lot with a little mm-hmm. in regards with youth with youth especially uh you know and it's yeah, and just re- so ignored. and the reason why it's yeah pains us is because
2: if you're using a brace as a preventative measure like that's where we're not in, a- in agreement at all like as soon as you brace something up you're now having this mechanical device that's becoming your stabilizer as opposed to what you should be doing which is Taking Making care of the muscle groups, right? Yeah. You're as stabilize soon as
1: you you that joint. The, yeah, as soon as you use that brace, it's it's there forever. You're never going to train the muscle to do what it's supposed to do if you yeah. put the brace on from the start.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. And so, like in doing this training, we're we're targeting you know we're targeting the dominant movements uh, again. So we're we're training the movement and not necessarily the muscle. So we're training the dominant movement, uh, the muscles in the movements, uh, and the movements in sport. Uh, so that we can get those muscle groups but we also like we just said have to target those stabilizer groups mm-hmm. and that's again like there people will get into strength training and they'll get their kid doing squats and deadlifts and whatever else but the the kid never moves laterally never does anything laterally and so you'll still see like like we just said on that concentric portion of a of a squat the knees are just diving in because they're the lateral hip muscles are so weak; they're just not—they're not stabilizing the knee joint. And so, when they get out and you watch them run, if you watch them run from a front profile, every time their foot makes contact with the ground, their knee dives in. And you know, and that's—and they're—they're wondering, like, oh, do the kid does squats. The kid does this, but they're still getting like IT band issues and stuff like that." They have the weak, weak hips. It's weak hips. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean. Y- it's totally worth doing, um, you know. I think I think the ideals of strength training for youth athletes have come a long way mm-hmm. in you know the last ten years. Uh, Just but, really
2: quick for the say the parent or even a coach, you know, coach is working with youth athletes age group. You know, we get a question quite a bit like, "What age is my child too young to start lifting weights?" Like, what f- fill in the people at home uh, or those listening. Um, As far as, you know, age ranges. Well, you know, from what
1: I've read, it's, I mean, obviously, like, you're not going to take a a baby that, you know, obviously can barely stand and Mm -hmm. give him a bar and say, hey, go get him. I did. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, everything that I've read, it seems that, you know, as long as they're moving properly, like, obviously, you're not going to have your kid try and do like four times body weight deadlifts. But, you know, as long as you take them safely through progression, you'll start with a PVC pipe or start with body weight, you know, light loads, just body weight loads, move properly, they're going to be okay. Like, you can take them through, you know, put them through a back squat, make sure they're doing all those movements correctly with just a PVC pipe. You know, maybe you give them, like, a light bar. But as long as they're doing the movements correctly, they're not going to put themselves in any huge danger. Um, Quite the opposite. In fact, as as we were talking about, you know, all the benefits
2: from all of that. Um, For sure. Yeah, we've worked with kids as, what, early as... Five? Five or six? Yeah. I mean we work with some young young kids. Yeah. And they're actually like kids' brains are so easy. They pick up so much faster than, than adults tend mm-hmm. to. So teaching a kid to move properly early is so much easier than trying to teach an adult to move properly after they've had years and years and years of this pre programming oh, yeah. in their brain. And that's like, like swimming. Uh when, when Aaron was telling us how he swam in high school dale's like huh <laughs> he swam he's like man we can make a triathlete out of you for sure that's right because you know that's a very uh oh, thing, technique specific thing right so to the kids learn it much faster than adults like i haven't drowned my kid yet and she's little <laughs> Sing or swim but like you know they're able to adapt they're able to learn that movement pattern so fast um, if you teach a kid how to move properly early on and strength training is yeah. a great way to do that because it slows it down. Yeah. Like they're learning the mechanics and it's in a slowed down form and they can learn which muscle groups should be firing and when, uh, they're going to be so far ahead. Um, not just from like a, I'm a high performing athlete, just from moving. Yeah. Properly. From, from well, a health standpoint. They've
0: been. No. I mean, it's been shown that like, like in that, you know, even like pre-puberty phase, uh, their brains are so much easily wired for movement mm-hmm. than post puberty because the, the whatever the myelin just sheaths or like, yeah. whatever you want to go into that <laughs> stuff on the brain uh, just it's so much easier to get them to learn and to for have it to to stick. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, I mean you can see it if you you know half the adults that I'm sure that you both have worked with you try and teach them how to hinge. Mm-hmm. like yeah push yeah. your hips back and the first thing they do is round their back and like oh. am i doing it right yeah i mean even with the high schoolers that i help coach you know it's like all right we're gonna work on hinging mm-hmm. and i say the word and they're like doing what now i'm like yeah you're gonna push your hips back and the first thing they want to do is bend their knees it's like no like the joint right here your hips yeah. they can move independent of your knees exactly yeah. and trying to get them to do that you know let alone some of the adults that you see at a gym that their deadlift is pretty much just a back squat, but they're holding the bar in front instead of behind. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. that that's a big one that if you can teach your kid how to like push their hips back properly, I mean yeah, a
0: hip hinge. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So we'll get we'll move a little bit ahead. So um, after, you know, you're focused on the movement, we're focused on strength training, we're focused on the movement there still. Uh, once those movement patterns are pretty solidified. and, and you've done some strength training, some basic strength training like that movements are solid there. Um, that would be the point where we would go into, uh, what we call strengthening the movement. And that's kind of where like we pull out the toys and we, and we work with like resisted running and sleds and, and parachutes and all that fancy stuff. Um, but you know, that it's not until those, those movements are solid because at that point you're adding resistance to poor movements and you're just, you're just repeating poor movements and, and accelerating know. the the time yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. going to take to injury. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, practice makes permanent. So mm. if you're practicing constantly poor movement patterns, you're going to set them in. And even if you're doing that under load or under resistance, you're just making it worse. Yeah. Like, um, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like the third phase, and we don't really have to go in real deep into that. But What would you say? So I know, like, we use a lot of these these uh,
2: fun, fun stuff, which does have a good use. What would you say for, um, and this is open for both of you guys here, but for a person who doesn't have access, doesn't have a parachute, doesn't have a sled, doesn't have trays, like, what could a person use that they can maybe find, you know, in their area around their house in their neighborhood like how can you how can you teach some of this speed development stuff um without the use of those those toys
1: yeah i mean one of the easiest things is a hill you know that is nature's toy right there the I mean, man. how yep. many kids have you seen like i'm sure when you were kids you just go play on a hill right yeah, I mean, yeah. you can run up a hill and it's resisted running yep. you go down a hill, it's assisted That's
0: running progress, yeah um
1: i mean so if you have a hill or stairs um a Stadium, I mean any yeah. any kind of incline will give you that kind of nature's toy if you will yeah. um, You know, it's not as exciting to put on social media as like a parachute is but it's the same yeah. benefit You know, it's oh, sure. a resisted run. It's good mechanics. It's an increased load because of gravity um, So it's it's strength movement in every way and I mean unless if you're very unlucky. There's hills Everywhere. Yeah,
2: everywhere. Yeah. Sorry for those
0: of you who live outside of Houston. Yeah. <laughs> Find in, an overpass. In, in the Delta.
2: <laughs> in the Delta. Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: yeah well, I mean that was gonna that was gonna be my first answer because yeah. that's that's the first place we take once the kid gets to this, you know, even before we pull out the toys, the, you know, uh, it's always fun to use those things and they get psyched up about using, you know, that kind of the equipment, but take them to a hill, and if they can still perform the movement on a hill, then, you know, it's totally worth getting the other stuff out. Um, and one thing we tend to see is, like, w- when you're doing this stuff,
2: it's so easy, like, especially with hill stuff, or, or even using the toy stuff. You know, a kid gets a strap put around their waist, and we'll see it all the time, and, and cue a kid all the time on. That resistance hits them, and now their mechanics go to, yeah mm-hmm. down like, go south. Yep. Because they're letting that resistance... Now fold their body and now ground contacts funky. So yeah. anytime you start even you know using hills, doing overspeed stuff on downhills, um, you want to make sure form, yeah, techniques, body the position forefront. is oh, yeah. is number one. So we're not getting to a hill and we're like, let's see how fast you can get up that hill with your
0: yeah with your head tucked yeah in your, <laughs> yeah exactly
2: shoulders so rounded. If yeah. you take nothing else from this this podcast we're doing. Mechanics first. Drill mechanics, whether yeah. it's strength, whether it's uh, uh, technique work, uh, as far as running. If you're if you're doing assisted um, or resisted running, first off, focus on that technique. Make sure body position is good. Make sure yeah. movement patterns are right, and then. Work on increasing, yeah, the intensity.
1: Well, it's kind of it's kind of a silly way for me to explain it to my the guys that I coach. But I like to tell them, you know, pretend somebody's watching. Whether it's you mm-hmm. know, whoever you want to date, or somebody's going to put this on social media, pretend it's being filmed because nobody wants to put them running with a sled and you know they're hunched over and it looks like they're trying to tie their shoes at the same time. You know, they yeah. want to look good. So yeah. I always tell legs them, legs like, are
2: like, flinging out. Yeah, like
1: out. pretend I'm going to film this and put it on the team's social media. Because then you're going to do everything properly because you want to look good. Yeah. And yeah. the reason that it looks good is because it's the right way to do it. And so it kind of that gives them another kind of cue for oh, this is something cool, but I need to make sure I'm doing it right because oh, I want sure. I want to look good. Yeah. And that's why most mm-hmm. of us work out. We want to look good. So that's that's I mean, why I
2: do
0: my hip work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on number one set of hips in Memphis. That's uh no that is a that is a really good cue for especially for. Kids this day and especially age, especially for old yeah. dinosaurs like us. <laughs> We're putting, it, we're <laughs> relating stuff <laughs> to gonna, social put media this on <laughs> We're putting this on MySpace. <laughs> Poor Aaron doesn't even
2: know what MySpace is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> the last, the last bit, and there's no secret here. Uh, w- once everything's solid, even if you're, uh, you know, working on and strengthening the movement, um, we do have to practice fast running. I mean, there's (laughs) if you if you're gonna go faster, you got to run fast. And this is like it amazes me. Like um, even uh, especially with adults that come to us, and they're you know we take a look over what they've been doing anytime we take on a new athlete, and they're just like I've been kind of plateaued for the last two three years, Uh, you know. And the two things we find, uh, especially with runners, is uh, one they never run fast or two, they never take time off. They never rest. So we're just piling on a bunch of miles expecting ourselves to get faster and we never actually get faster. Uh, So you do have to practice fast running. Um, You know, speed work, uh, quote unquote, speed work can be also movement-based and you are moving faster, but um, we have to take that, what I would call speed skills uh, you know, and then eventually it has to go into a, a, structured, uh, you know, speed training of trying to hit different, you know, uh, intervals or whatever, however you want to break it down, uh, at specific paces. And we have to have those paces be structured based on your present fitness and not, not your desired. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes Yeah. Yeah. And one thing to always pay
2: attention to when you're doing that, one thing we always tell our athletes, whether it's a cyclist or, you know, a runner or even a swimmer, like once you, once the, you feel as though technique is falling apart, that's when you need to say, okay, this workout maybe needs to end or I need to increase my recovery time mm-hmm. between. I mean, obviously there's a goal to every workout, but if you start to feel, especially at high intensity levels, that you're sacrificing your technique in order to get one more interval in that's where you know a person probably needs to start thinking about what's my goal here what's the risk reward and and maybe is it time for me to shut down shut down my effort
0: yeah do you, do you see it a lot with um, like the high school age where like you just have a really hard time getting them to slow down they just always want to go fast or are they cool? Or is it with, the opposite? Yeah. Uh, you know, it kind of
1: it yeah. kind of depends in that, like, if I tell them, hey, we're going to do 460s today, like, they're like, okay, I can run this fast. But as soon as I say, hey, we're going to do like a 500, a and then we're going to do one 500 today, they're just like, well, I can't run a 500 fast. Like, even though, like, let's say we have a kid that can run a 52 second 400, if I tell him, hey, let's come through at 55, and then you just hang on, in his head, he's not thinking, okay, that's only 100 meters that I have to hang on for it's more in his head oh i have to run almost my pr even though in the scheme at the in a scheme of 400s like 3 seconds is a pretty significant jump mm-hmm. um, so it's kind of it's a little bit of both like sometimes i'm telling like hey this is a full speed day like we're just moving quick i just want you to get from point a to point b as fast as you can don't think about anything just go here to here and I can still see them trying to turn the wheels. And it's like, mm-hmm. hey, don't, don't, no wheel turning today. As yeah. soon as you hear the whistle, we're going. Mm-hmm. And some of the guys, it's the exact opposite. They, you know, they, they can either go or they can't go. It's like, hey, we're going to run six 200s. I'm going to give you a minute rest. So obviously don't run them full speed. And they still, you know, the, the time gap won't be like a half a second. It'll be, hey, we'll go 23, 24, 24. 29 40 and then <laughs> i just and then i just turn the clock off because it's like i don't want to say it out loud uh-huh. um so it, it's interesting that it kind of depends on the kid yeah, in that's no, sure.
2: um and that that would be a very last important thing like as as a coach you you need to know your athlete right and it's not one program for everybody um and i i think that's you know the way we've uh, essentially run uh, run this business and the way this business uh, really focuses is on we need to meet an individual where they're at and we need to know what works best for them and so much is in the head mm-hmm. like there's so much mm-hmm. mental part uh, in performance in general and that's what i love about endurance sports is so much is mental yeah um but meeting a person and knowing that person and knowing how to get the most out of each individual person um is what I feel separates, you know, a a really good coach from someone who, um, you know, maybe, maybe isn't as, as good, um, at getting as much as they can out of every athlete
1: that they they interact with. I mean, it's like you guys were saying, it's all relative, right? Like for me, I'm sure you coach plenty of people. There's probably people listening that, you know, if they heard my half marathon pace, they're like, Oh, that's like a slow, easy run pace. And for me, it was like red line. Like (laughs) I
2: want to, do you want to tell the people
0: at home? (laughs) Uh,
1: eight, for eight minute miles until mile eleven. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, it's.
0: I think it's a. I mean, not to jump topics here, but I think it's interesting. You know, coming from a track background and jumping into in a in more endurance sport, it's still a. You know, it's still like a. It's a shock to the system. Oh, I mean, <laughs> yeah.
2: What would you say when we first were
1: chatting with you about oh, it? Oh man, like, that's a different kind of pain. It is a different kind of pain. Like yeah. the the acidic burn. From a 400 hurdle or an 800, like, that sucks. But when I hit hit mile 11, and I could not lift my, like, I was, I looked like my grandfather. Like, I had my feet, like, whole lower leg externally rotated. Like, I was hunched over, back rounded. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I was, I could barely walk. And I had two (laughs) miles to go. It was it, it got in all,
2: in all fairness. You said you started getting focused on your your St. <laughs> Jude virtual that you were doing early in October. Early right? October, yeah. Four so days a week. You gave yourself running. two
1: months. Four days a week running, three days a week lifting.
2: <laughs> Coming <laughs> from a more sprint based background.
1: Yeah. Furthest I'd gone before that was about four miles. So
2: there we go. <laughs> That's funny. Ugh. Awesome. It, it, I, I mean, obviously, this is we're getting way off topic here, but. <laughs> That's what we do, man. I, I think that's one of the things that can be very hard. Like some people get pacing right away and they can get, okay, relative to how I'm suffering right now, how long can I hold this for? But we get some people that like, I don't know if they just haven't done it enough and you can learn it, but there's some people that initially just have no clue, like go out and pace yourself and working with you. So that this is great. Like go out and try to run this pace for 400 and just getting a feel for whether or not they even know what that is without staring at a watch is is huge. So many people are just so programmed. I'm going to run to this as opposed to feel. And then when you change up a distance on them, which goes back to your, like we're going to run a 500 and I want you on this pace instead of what you normally would. And they're like, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, and I don't know what that is. Like, I don't even know how to do that.
1: And I, I rarely tell them times because you know I'm coaching 20, 30 kids. Yeah. I can't, I can't like focus on the best kids. Say, hey, you know, you're a fifty second four hundred guy. So let's run these at twenty six and tell the other kids, oh, I'll just see what happens. So stay with us as long as you can. Yeah, you know, just you know, yeah. just be about ten seconds behind. Me. Like, what does that mean? So, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I have a watch just so I can see it. So if somebody has like a special day, I'm like, oh wow, this kid, you know, yeah. maybe he's eight seconds faster than I thought he was, but. You know, I try to make them go off a of field because the reality is most of these kids aren't gonna run track after high school anyway. But if I can teach them something about understanding their body and they take this fitness into the next the next step. Absolutely. I mean, that's mm-hmm. almost as important as, oh yeah, my kid got a book scholarship for track to college. Like yeah. obviously that's great. Yeah. But, you know, for every one kid that's gonna happen, I'm gonna have twenty or thirty that the only running they're going to do unless if i can make running fun for them Mm -hmm. is going to be when they're on the team and then they're going to graduate high school go off to college and say hey man running is stupid i hate it Mm -hmm. because i didn't give them a chance to learn how they enjoyed it which Mm -hmm. i think is equally as important as it is to develop the fast kids and get them money in college 100 Mm percent,
0: definitely awesome well man we are we're stoked to have you on the team and uh you can uh, you can book time with uh, with Aaron on the website now. Um, if, for those of you with youth athletes, uh, or if you're looking for a personal trainer, he's uh, he's uh, he's out there for you. And uh, yeah, we're we're excited to see what happens here. So uh, we appreciate everyone hanging out, listening, watching. We'll catch you guys next time.
2: Shout out to all the zookeepers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Peace. Uh, adios.